Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast, and I am your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn. And on today's episode, it always seems like I'm always getting into a discussion, right? It's always, but it's good. I think it, 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 it helps with the mind. It helps when you're able to take information that you've been able to retain and offer a perspective that most people don't really talk about, right? Or if they do talk about it, they don't really delve deep into it, right? So, usually the discussion of reparations is something that I I come across probably three, four, maybe even five times a month. And oftentimes I don't comment. And oftentimes the reason I don't comment is because I like to sit back and I like to look at other people's um, perspectives and their particular ideals, right? So one of the things that you kind of take away is that you have, I want to say you got like three groups, right? You have one group who is just, we need it. I don't care about nothing else. Boom, boom, boom. We need it. You have another group that tries to articulate it to the group that says that we need it, right? And they are looking, well, they they speak in, in essence to say, well, we have your best interest in, in hand. And then the third group is what may be the pessimistic group, the ones that say, you know, I worked for mine, more people should work for theirs. And you start wishing for the pie in the sky and all this particular different stuff like that, right? And so I don't fit into either one of those groups, honestly, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I'm not saying I'm for it. I'm not saying I'm against it. And I'm not trying to sit up here and to try to eloquently talk about why we should have them, right? So I don't really fit into those particular different groups. Because I look at it from a critical um, thinking perspective, right? And also the group that's, that says we're not going to get it also, you know, says that, well, if we do get it, you're going to have the majority that, you know, squander the money away, which I kind of agree with that particular aspect. And the reason I agree with that particular aspect is because I'm of the thinking, right? And this is just my opinion, right? I could be 1,000% wrong. I would love if someone has some data to... Uh, disprove my opinion, right? But my opinion is I think that the individuals who are serious about moving forward and doing something to make an impact, not just for them, not just for themselves and their family, but for others, they're already on the fast track to do that. They're already uh, making a lot of the necessary um, sacrifices, as well as making a lot of the necessary connections to push this forward. I look at um, Rashad Blau and Troy Mills um, are on your leisure. They're making a lot of connections, um, doing a lot of things. Haven't necessarily seen them get on a political front, but from a financial literacy standpoint, I see that they are being very, very aware of that, right? So, and I think it's a lot of people who are like that. It's like, you know what? We got enough people that are talking about the hardships and all this particular different stuff like this, but. I feel like that I have enough wherewithal and enough drive and enough oomph about myself that I can kind of not necessarily just pick myself up, but also try to pick others up as well, right? But that's not the discussion, right? So the discussion on today 
is based around it was re-brought up about Robert Johnson's plan for reparations. And I remember first seeing this, I think, um, probably the last year of the Trump presidency. Uh, he had a plan. Uh, Trump had the platinum plan. Ice Cube had a plan. Uh, Joe Biden uh, issued a plan. So everybody was just, you know, it was it was, it was kind of one of those things where it's like you're kind of jockeying, you know, for, for support, right? But the Robert Johnson plan, right? So this is Robert Johnson's plan. $350,767 one-time cash payment. Uh, in the case of over 42 million African-American eligible descendants. The calculation, which this is interesting, the calculation would be based on income, education, savings, home ownership. Um, and that we go up to about $14.7 trillion, right? Which is the equivalent, listen to this, the equivalent of the GDP of China. And China has the second largest income, I meant the second largest GDP uh, in the world um, behind the U.S. 14.7, right? So, I like to think critically about things like this, right? So, um... Some people feel that it should be an ongoing thing. I've seen some people say um, for it should go on for 400 years and all these particular different things like this. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. Right. And one of the main reasons I don't agree with that is one of the one of the talking points that I'm going to talk about in this particular um, podcast is the fact that there were blacks who actually bought themselves as well as their family out of slavery, and there were also blacks who owned slaves who benefited from the same slave labor that the intellectuals that try to um, talk about this particular point, they don't talk about that. They don't talk about the fact that there were black soldiers, freemen, who fought with the Confederacy, right? Now, obviously, the Civil War has been labeled as um, the fight against slavery, which... It was not. It was a multitude of different things. Slavery was involved in that. But at the end of the day, you can't necessarily say you ended slavery when in the Constitution you say slavery is ending unless you are arrested. Right. So even that is not accurate, you know, because constitutionally proven that is not accurate. Right. But again, that's not a discussion. Right. So I'm listening to kind of break this down. $350,760. One time cash payment, right? So my thing is this. At the end of the Civil War, the slave owners, right? Listen listen to this closely. Slave owners were given money because of the loss of property, which were their slaves. Which means that there were black people <laughs> who got this particular payment. All right? Again, I see a lot of intellectuals bring that point up, but they never talk about the blacks who also got that particular payment. Right? So, we're talking $350,767, right? To a lot of people, and when I say a lot, I'm not speaking about the majority. I'm just speaking about a lot in terms of a of a of a neat of a of a niche group of people, right? Just like a lot of people, a lot of like-minded people who will get 350 and look at ways that, hey, well, what can I do with this, right? So, um, 
But how does that go for someone that may have a handicap? Person that's disabled, right? Are people going to do the due diligence for those people who may have had descendants that were slaves? Are you going to give them their $357,67? I don't think so. You're not going to give it to them. Or when we get down here to this number of over 42 million African-American eligible descendants, are you going to discriminate against those particular people? Right? So the the that also brings up conundrum. But again, this is just a particular point. Because a person could have been a well your your descendant could have been a well bodied individual and through the generations after that, you're the last sole survivor and you may have a a deficiency. So what happens to your three fifty? You know what I'm saying? What happens to your 350? And my question becomes, the individuals that bought themselves out of slavery and turned around and purchased slaves themselves, do your descendants get 350? Because you participated in the same heinous act that most of America blames white people for participating in. Right? And so, like I said, this is why I think when people bring up critical race theory, the overwhelming talking point is about they erase black people from history, which is a good talking point. And they're scared to death. And I'm back to their talking point. They're scared to death to have uh, true black history in school. It'll be black people that be scared to death to have true black history in school. Because no one wants to know that no one wants to know that there were black people that participated in the enslavement of other black people. You don't want to discuss that. You don't want to discuss that there were black people who fought valiantly beside the beside the Confederacy to uphold, as they say, the Civil War was fought over slavery to end slavery. They don't want to know they fought diligently to up to continue the up the upkeep or the or the aspect of slavery, right? So that's why I kind of look at it and say like history, again, history goes to the you know, to the victor goes the spoils. Right? You can rewrite history in whatever way that you want to write it. But those are particular key aspects. Now, a person may say, well, that's only a small percentage. Well, again, people pick and choose when they want small percentages to mean something, right? I'm not trying to um, minimize something, but when people were saying, well, less than 1% of people actually pass away from COVID, it wasn't about percentage. It was about whole numbers. So when the million millionth person passed away due to COVID. That was a big deal. And COVID is still impacting us right now. Right. So that's a situation where the small percentage doesn't matter. It's about raw numbers. So if you tell me that a small percentage of black people own slavery, own slaves. I want you to give me the raw numbers. I don't want you to say, oh, well, only less than 1% of black people. No, no, no. no. Give me raw numbers. How many families? Right? Doesn't matter if you had one slave. Doesn't matter if you had 10 or 15 slaves. You were participating in 
the unlawful, forceful treatment of a person for your needs. Right? And so, again, that's that's one of the things that get brought up in the discussion, but let's, let's keep moving on. So, calculation based on income, education, savings, and home ownership, right? So, this is one of the interesting things, right? Um, you'll see individuals that are, which I consider myself a pseudo-economist, <laughs> uh, a pseudo-economist, we will look and say, well, this would cause inflation um, second to none if you were to deploy uh, this amount of capital um, within the hands of a group, right? And that's true. And I've heard individuals say that, well, it doesn't matter. We can rebuild the economy. And the thing of it is, is like, no, you can't. Because what that would take would be a complete reset that would uh, that would nearly that would crash the global uh, economy in many aspects. Right. For the simple fact that all these economies are intertwined. Right. They're intertwined. Again, pseudo economics hat. One of the biggest things that President Trump talked about on his campaign trails about the deficit with China and how he wanted to have more fair trade. So what you take away from that is the aspect that many American companies um, due to uh, minimum wage raises, due to insurance costs, amongst other things, due to shareholder um, potentially not continue to buy stock, they had to move jobs over to areas where people were working for for in countries where they weren't being paid by dollar denomination. So you deploy $14.7 trillion of capital in the United States, you're going to crash the entire global market. Simply because what would happen is all of the countries that have debt that is, you know, dollar backed, they would look at it and they say, man, you know, this, 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 this inflation is out of control. This is not a good investment over here. You know, it's, it's, it's not safe to deploy capital into a country that has inflation that would probably, I don't even, I can't even begin to imagine um, what they would be. Most people are saying, oh, well, you know, that it'd be good to be back in there in the economy, you know, because you, you, you have people that are that are buying things. Well, on one side, you're right. But then on the other side, you're wrong. Because in order to buy something it would mean that you have the supply chain that is available to supply what it is that you need. So, again, not to be stereotypical here, right? But there's only going to be so many Mercedes... It's going to be only so many BMWs, not the small BMWs or the small Mercedes. And I'm just using these particular two car brands. Some people may opt to get a a Toyota or something like that. But you are going to have some that may acquire some exquisite taste. And so what you'll end up doing is you may say, well, I want that vehicle right now. 
So the dealer is going to have no choice but to up the price and it's going to turn into a Barry Jackson auction right there on the car lot. Will you give me 500000 Will you give me 600000 You know, you know, we'll start bidding off it, you know, because the vehicle's already $780-some-thousand-dollars, right? So you run into so you 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 run into a supply crisis, right? So, um, now the aspect of you know some people say, well, you know, we shouldn't be we shouldn't have to pay um, you know taxes um, ever again. Um, that would be interesting, you know, to see how something like that. You know, potentially could work out. Some people, you know, say that, you know, education, you know, it should be free education and things like that. But the thing of it is, is that just because education is free doesn't mean it's going to be a good education. Because what you'll have is you'll probably have situations where they earmark certain schools. It may change the admission requirements which end up turning into discrimination lawsuits and stuff like that when the reality of the situation is like look um we're not being discriminatory we're being discriminatory but we're not being discriminatory against race we're being discriminatory because you don't have the scores uh so to speak to get into particular schools and things like that right um people say free health care um amongst other things and again a very unique unique um, situation um, right there as well because the thing of it is is that when you say free about a lot of things free does not equate to best quality right free doesn't equate to best quality and i give you an example I saw recently um a place was having a back-to-school drive, giving away, you know, school supplies, you know, free hamburgers and hot dogs, right? So, for the health-conscious people, they'll say a hamburger and a hot dog, cookies, chips, and a drink, that's not healthy. But it's free. It's not the best for you, but it's free. You know what I'm saying? Um, school supplies. Might not be the best pencils, might not be the best crayons, but they're free. You know, book bags may not be the best book bags, but they're free. So that's the so that's the that's the thing that I always you know is in the back of my mind when anyone says, "Oh, free healthcare," or, or 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 you know, no taxes and things like that. All those particular things come with a cost. All those particular things come with a cost. So it was a brother also in that particular discussion, and he showed a graphic of reparations that have been paid out to different groups. Um, obviously, the first one they had was Germany paying um, reparations to um, the descendants and survivors of the Holocaust. Um, a couple of U.S. paying or, or giving land back uh, to Native Americans. There was one from Austria. And, I was, and I, obviously, the USA paying reparations to Japan um, after um, the nuclear bomb was dropped. And so the interesting thing about all those things like that, right, is that, again, I like to think. I like to be a critical thinker. I don't like to just 
be a follower, right? I don't like to be a follower. One of the things that I think people do is they see things and that's it. So a person could look at that list and say, okay, well, those particular groups got reparations. Well, let's look at it today. What a lot of those, what, are the, what, what condition are a lot of those individuals and groups, what kind of position are they in today? Now, obviously, we understand the, the, the Jewish situation, you know, but again, we can't necessarily say all Jewish people are doing well financially. Okay? We can't, I mean, we can't say that. We can't even, again, if someone has data to prove me wrong, I'm, I'm here to look at the data. But we can't assume that all Jewish people are good with money. Can't assume this. Can't assume all Jewish people are bankers. Well, we can look at it and say it's a small segment of people that are good at this. Similar to how uh, other groups of people could look at black people. And, and, and when you put it into reality, it's only a small group of black Americans that are good at basketball, football, acting, rapping, singing. It's only a small group. When you look at the grand sum, it's only a small group. So, so everything is everything are small groups, right? But the issue comes in, and I don't like that particularly either, is that certain stereotypes, good or bad, get placed upon uh, certain groups when they're not all-encompassing, right? So, but I'd be interested to look at the groups and how exactly the reparations were actually paid out, right? Because another guy, one of the things that I told him um, was that, listen, my mindset, and I said this at the beginning of the podcast, my mindset is the ones that are, that are, that are about it, they're getting out and they're getting to it. They're not taking no for an answer. They're going to find a way. They're going to do it. And his rebuttal, um, in essence, was that he looked at it from a standpoint that he used the example of the stimulus checks. And he said he know he knew people who were working paycheck to paycheck and they got their stimulus check and they quit their jobs and you know, they're being successful. Now again, I didn't get into the you know, the nooks and crannies of it. Okay, well what are they doing? You know, you know. But that's a an all encompassing statement. Right? So my rebuttal was simply this. I'm sure you do know people who got their stimulus checks and did something with them. But the grant, but the vast majority didn't. Just like there were individuals who applied, falsely applied for PPP loans, got it and squandered it. And so one of the things that I think is quite interesting, right, is financial literacy is a big thing, right? It's, it's Financial literacy and generational wealth, they're, they're big things, right? Um, a lot of people are trying, you know, a lot of people are getting on that, on that wave, right? I hope, it's, I hope it's not a wave. I hope it's a mindset change, right? I don't really think it's a wave. I hope it's not a wave, right? But one of the things that I think about is the aspect that you have individuals who were born within, born into money. Think about this now. Born into money. Best schools, parents talked about money, newspapers, all this talk about the business, 
soon as the parent dies, squander the whole business away. Squander the whole business away. Squander the whole business away. Now, obviously, you do have some that can take the business and take it to, um, you know, extra heights. You got that. But I said it to say this. It's good that a, a emphasis is being put on financial literacy because we need that. But I also think that you, you cannot just assume, especially in today's time, right? You're in, you're, we're, in a, we're in an age where information is there readily accessible to you. But some people may say, but people are dumber. And not like, ooh, ooh, dumb, but like, just like lazy more so. Not dumb, but just lazy, right? You got, see this, see this again. When we get back on the aspect and just not to walk back, but just like when a person says, we want free education. You got free education right now. And people don't want to go get it. Not the majority. The majority don't want to do it. The majority don't want to do stuff like I do. Majority don't want to read, pick up books and, and try to learn new things and try to understand how um, the world goes or try to learn new skill sets. The majority don't want to do that. And it's free. It's, well, technically, it's not free, free, but it's free. It's free to go on YouTube. It's free to... Uh, Google search or, or Safari search anything it's free so I think people have to take that particular sample size and put and put some and put some statistics behind it instead of just assuming things and again I just can't assume that people would get financial money and squander it. I can't assume that the majority would do that. I shouldn't assume that, but I just, I feel that, and, and I'm giving reasons as to why. Right? I'm giving reasons as to why. People choose not to learn things, right? I, I had an epiphany the other day. I was, tell, I was talking to my wife, and I told her, I said, you know what? You know what's so interesting right now? I said, nobody... Because that's one of the things that I said, my wife said, I've heard my mom say it. it was like, I'm just not good in math. Just not good in math. And I said, man, in 2022, nobody walking the face of this earth unless you have, again, a learning condition. Shouldn't nobody say that I got, a, I got problems understanding math. Why, why you say that, Rashad? How can you say that? Because for one, you don't even have to pay a math tutor. You can go on YouTube, type it in, and I guarantee you, you will find somebody who you like listening to that will teach you mathematics. Same goes for science. Same goes for anything, right? So my thing of it is getting back to the a person that says free education. You got it. You got it now. But... When you speak about free education, are you speaking about being within the confines of a wall in front of a, a, a professor who, unlike a maybe a, a regular school teacher, doesn't care whether or not you fail or, or succeed? In the reality of the situation, if you're applying yourself, they may show a little leniency to you and try to maybe, 
you know, make themselves a little bit more available to you if you have questions, but you're not trying it now. Right? You're not trying it now. So, and another thing I think is people assume that a change in certain situations, certain scenarios could potentially change the outcome, right? Um, I've said this on the podcast in the past. I spent a lot of time listening to um, old drug dealer stories. Not because I could I could care less about the money. I mean, initially when I first started listening to it, it was always fascinating. Oh, man, they, had, they did how much a week? Oh, man, that's crazy. But now I listen to these particular stories and I sit back and I realize that Everybody didn't have to go through that. Everybody didn't have to be a victim of that. And another thing that I talk, another thing that again, it's not a popular opinion, but it's an opinion. We talk about how um, the three strikes law took black men away from their families. The Rico statute, the Rico statute, took Italian men away from their families. You know, a lot of things did that. But getting back on topic in terms of reparations, you can look at weight. You can look at things now. Certain things now. Now, the, the, the free money, that's a completely different thing. Right. I mean, there's 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 no free lunch. Right. But in terms of. Um, education, in terms of health care. Um, in terms of, you know, taxes, stuff like that, there are things that black people can do now. There are things that they can do now. And the vast majority choose not to do it. Healthcare. You could potentially try to eat better. Try to eat better. In terms of education. Again, you have YouTube. You got all these particular stuff available to you. Taxes. Maybe start a little business on the side to help with taxes, right? Obviously, you want to pay zero taxes, but at the end of the day, it's geared toward buying things for business-related expenses and stuff like that. Obviously, everyone can't have a business or whatever, but a 401k can give you a reduction in taxes, a lot of different things, you know, just particular stuff that you can do, just things you can start out to do right now. Right. And again, like I said, I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to argue against it. I'm not really going to necessarily argue for it. Right. I'm just I just want to I just really sit back and look at the two competing sides and I and I. I feel like I can commentate on both sides. Right. Even though this particular conversation would be leaning more so towards me saying that, you know, black people don't really need it because you can do more. But I also have a I also have a, you know, understanding that, yes, our black people were not able to buy themselves out of slavery. Some people were enslaved for multiple generations during that particular period of time. And Abraham Lincoln, before his assassination, did say that black people were going to get 40 acres and a mule. 
But I tell you what's interesting about that 40 acres and a mule thing, right? And I'm going to get out of here with that. Assumptions, right? Assumptions are wild, right? Because the, the, the good thing about an assumption is that you can always assume the best. That the best is going to happen, right? Nobody likes to assume the worst. Right? No one likes to assume the worst. So say, for instance, all the free slaves were able to get 40 acres and a mule. What was going to end up happening? Every slave was not as good agriculturally as each other. We notice that right now. Certain people have different attributes that are better than others. So I have a situation where you could have it where a person is really good, could potentially have made a situ- uh, got to a situation where he multiplied that one mule into five or six. Just bought the mules from another family or another family could have potentially got indebted to him because he went over there and worked, worked his mule and they may have worked something out. So you always have to assume that somebody mule could have died. Maybe there was not enough mules to go around. Who's to say that your 40 acres was going to be as good as my 40 acres? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's why that's why I kind of I like to critically think about these particular things, right? Because that's just what it is. You can look at it right now. It's a, it's probably I'm not going to say it's a lot, right? But there's probably a good number of people who are 6'9, 260 pounds, just like LeBron James. Built just like LeBron James. But they weren't gifted athletically like LeBron James. Alright? Just like Denzel Washington. I'm sure there's people who have oratory skills that are as good as Denzel Washington. Um may be considered to be handsome like Denzel Washington. But they they don't have the ability to immerse themselves into a character. To make you realize, wait a minute, this is not Denzel Washington. This is Alonzo from Training Day. Oh, this is Coach Boone from Remember the Titans. Oh, this is Robert McCall from The Equalizer. It's not Denzel Washington. Oh, that's Frank Lucas in American Gangster. Right? And so that's how, and so that's just kind of how I look at it. And I make the same assertion again. This is one of my uh, interesting art. This is one of my arguments when these particular discussions are had. There were black people who left businesses, who left land, who left homes to their offspring. Everyone talks about generational wealth. Everyone talks about, oh, um, I see, you know, it's a, a, um, a meme on Facebook. We need to um, normalize leaving our children businesses and land. And not shoes and, 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 you know, purses and cars. It has been normalized. It's been done before. The situation dictates that sometimes the offspring don't know what to do with it. We don't know what may have happened. Because one of the things that always is overlooked in any of these particular discussions are financial downturns. People just assume that certain people were able to amass wealth unabated. 
just amassed wealth unabated. Whether that was someone white, whether it was someone black, whether it was someone of Asian descent, just there was never a financial downturn. No one, no one ever was at the tip, tip top and crashed down to the bottom and never recovered again. And so I always I always try to look at that, man, and think about it and say, well, you know what, man, I do have to put a little credence to that because a lot of the things that people try to say that because I was discussing with someone the other day, I'm gonna get out of here is she says she still sees the effects of slavery to this day in a lot of things. I'm not going to I'm not going to try to make someone um not see something that they say that they see. If you see it, you see it. I don't have to see what you see. I don't have to agree with it. Just like you don't have to agree with me. But in terms of financial stuff, we do have to pay credence to the fact that they were people who were left things and they fumbled it. It wasn't stolen. They weren't raped, killed, pillaged. None of that. They just fumbled it. Now, obviously, again, the, the highlight is going to be placed upon the, the, the intimidation, the murders, all those particular different things. Obviously, and, they, and they, they occurred and they should be spoken about. But we also need to talk about the people that fumbled it. I spoke, I, spoke, I believe, on one of my past podcasts. My, my grandmother grew up, lived straight through Jim Crow era. When she passed away, she left. She was able to leave all five of her children, which wanted to be my mother, was able to leave them money. Now, a lot of individuals, same age as my grandmother, passed away, weren't able to do the same thing. Who may have had a better start of life, and and and, and on top of that, my my grandmother for the most part was a single mother because my grandfather passed away. So it just I mean sometimes you have to you just have to really stop and look at it and just stop assuming that everybody was like everybody was on it. Just assuming that everybody would have got 40 acres and a mule and it would have just been popping. It wasn't going to work like that. It was going to be just like it is right now. As a select group of people who are pushing forward, who are using their intellectual ability to get what they want and, and, and somewhat doing what they want to do contained. Right? And that's just what it is. And that's what kind of bothers me about these discussions is people don't want to say that. Nobody wants to, to discuss, oh man, your great-great-grandfather he fumbled the bag to, to you to um, equate a new term, uh, a, a current term, the bag, equate it to back in the day. Oh, man, great grandpa, man, he had this, this, and this, man, and, and, and he was gambling or something. Lost the whole farm. Lost the whole farm to Mr. Johnson. Mr. Johnson got the farm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know? Nobody, I mean... Nobody want to talk about it. But again, and I'm and I'm closing on this note. Well, that was only a certain percentage. I'm out of here. Hey, that was another episode of Paradigm 132 Podcast. I'll be back to you again next week. Peace.